Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Okay, this morning we're talking about the fire of God as mentioned by Jesus himself. John the Baptist talked about his own ministry, but he said, there's one coming who's greater than me, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And when he comes, Jesus Christ will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire. And so we've been saying, well, that's great because we often go, oh, he's on fire for God. Have you seen her? She's on fire for God. But we don't fully comprehend what the fire of God really means for our life. And through the Bible, God has included for us this wonderful, if you like, uh, tapestry and word picture of this mobile worship tent that he set up in the wilderness in which the fire of God, and, and the book of Hebrews says this, that that's a copy, Moses' tabernacle was a copy of the real thing in heaven. So these things that we see in the tabernacle of Moses actually represent spiritual realities in heaven. Isn't that incredible? So what we've been doing is that we've been looking at the four fires that are represented in the tabernacle of Moses. And we looked at the brazen altar, which is obviously symbolic of the sacrifice of Christ. A a lamb was killed every morning and every night, and its blood was sacrificed on that brazen altar. This was in the outer court under the sky. No covering the outer court. And then as you move past that, the priest would then wash his hands and his feet, bare feet, and then he would walk inside the tent, which is called the holy place. And the holy place was separated by a veil, a curtain, into which you would then walk into the most holy place or the holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat, and the cherubim faced each other, which was the holiest place of all. And God, by virtue of the fact that they were obedient, they set up the pattern exactly as God told Moses to build it. And the day of inauguration, the fire of God started in that worship place. And this is what happened. As they offered a lamb on the brazen altar, literally God showed his acceptance of the offering and fire came down from heaven and smote the sacrifice on the brazen altar. And from that day forward, the priests were rest that they were rest, they were rested with the responsibility of keeping a perpetual flame. They were to feed the flame themselves. God starts the fire, friends, but you and I have got to keep the flame burning. Amen. And so this brazen altar was then the responsibility of the priest, of the believer, is that when God touches your life, it's up to you. You can't rely on such and such. You can't rest on the, on the apron strings of that favorite believer that you have in your life or your spouse or your husband or your wife and rest upon their faith. You've got to keep your faith on fire and feed that fire and take responsibility yourself to make sure that the fire of God has been fed within your own life. And that's what the brazen altar is all about. It's the altar of the sacrifice of Christ. And it also, when the fire of God touches you, when Jesus saves you, this is all about receiving Christ. And you know, it's a shame to us that we come to Jesus, we receive His gift of salvation at that sacrifice at Calvary, but we only take Him for fire insurance. What do I mean by that? We receive Him as Saviour, but we don't make Him Lord. We just want to make sure our ticket's been purchased for heaven, that we're going to get to heaven, and then we cruise the rest of our Christianity, and we remain outer court Christians. Do you know what that means? We never learn how to approach God and move from the outer court into the inner court. 
And we stay on the outer court and we never discover the wonderful realities of the further fire of God touching us through the fire of revelation at the candle lamp stand. The second uh, article of furniture where every morning and every night the, the priest would come in and he would tend the seven branches of the menorah. And he would make sure that it was filled with pure olive oil. Speaking of the ministry of the Spirit, always being filled with the Spirit, giving off a bright flame. The candle lampstand speaks of Christ as the light of the world. And we, the church, are reflectors of that light. And that light would shine down over two stacks of uh, bread that was freshly baked, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is the manner, the Word of God. And when the fire of revelation hits you, when you're participating and receiving the Word of God, suddenly you get revelation as the light of God shines into your heart and suddenly you're seeing things like you've never seen them before because the Spirit is illuminating into your personal life. When's the last time you had a personal revelation from God, the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you were reading the Word and suddenly you were jumping up and down with joy because the Holy Spirit showed you something that you have never seen before? You know, that's what the fire of revelation is all about. And, it, and there's an impartation. Jesus, Jesus said this when He spoke to Peter, when He said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. When the candle lampstand of revelation goes off in your life, suddenly you get something that's been concealed and suddenly it's revealed. And as it's revealed and the scales are taken off your eyes, you know, you also don't just receive a revelation, but you receive an impartation. Because this is what Jesus went on to say to Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my Father in heaven. And he says, now I give you impartation. Now I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. With every revelation comes an impartation from the Holy Spirit for you to do something you could never do before. For you to receive something from God that comes into your life and suddenly you don't know how you know, but you know it in your knower that something has happened inside of you and you're able to do things that you couldn't do before because it's a supernatural walk with God. This is what the fire of God is all about. It's about being able to step out in faith, knowing that God is with you in a supernatural way and you begin to, you begin to see things. You begin to feel the impartation of God's Holy Spirit upon your life. I can remember the first time that I saw, openly saw a miracle in front of my eyes where uh, God sovereignly healed a woman who was born with a club foot. And she'd been from birth. They'd had, she'd had several operations and her foot was still as, crook, as crooked as can be. And as the power of God fell on this meeting and wiped out 300 people in the meeting, and they were, mothers were holding their babies falling on concrete floors as the wind of the Spirit went through the meeting. And I was standing there in awe of what God was doing. And I'm saying, wow, this is the power of God. This is what God can do. This is what the book of Acts is all about. This is why we had to wait for the Holy Spirit. Because when He turns up, suddenly heaven comes. And suddenly impartations come. Suddenly your world gets turned upside down. And as this woman has been... Uh, as, as she's, the Holy Spirit has come upon her, she's lying on the ground, and suddenly she, you can hear the... As her bent club foot suddenly... As the power of God imparts supernatural healing with no hands being laid upon her. As the sovereign power of God works through that meeting. This is what the fire of God is all about. This is, what we, this is why we need it. Friends, I don't want to live boring, religious, routine, ritualized Christianity. We need the real deal. We need the power of the living God working within our lives. And this is why John the Baptist said, when, you, when he comes, he's going to baptize you. That means immerse. He's going to immerse you. He's going to saturate you. He's going to fill you with himself and with fire. And when that fire comes into your life, suddenly you can believe God for incredible things. You can believe because He, you understand He's the Creator. And with that creation life force, with everything you see on this globe, He spoke and it happened. You begin to realize, oh yeah, there's more under the hood than what you have been living for. These are the days that God has called us 
to live in, in and through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so today, uh, the difficulty I have, I, I spoke too long last week, I got carried away, um, because when you dive into the tabernacle and the fire of God, there is so much typology and symbolism that sometimes you don't know what to include and what to exclude. Uh, so I'm going to cut to the chase today and we're going to get down to just a few simple tic-tacs as we move, as we, we're, we're now, we've moved from the outer court and we've come in to the holy place and we're inside the holy place and as I'm walking towards the most holy place where the ark is separated by a veil on my left is the menorah radiating the seven lampstands of the light of God and on my right is the table of showbread also known as the table of presence the table of presence because it was facing the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God. And as I'm moving directly in line with the Ark of the Covenant that I can't see, right in front of the curtain is the third article of furniture that we're talking about today, the golden altar of incense. And on this, every time the priest tended to the menorah, the flame of the candle, he was also responsible to bring from the brazen altar of sacrifice coals that were glowing and bring it in and place them on the golden altar of incense, which he would then take special incense that had been uh, specifically specific ingredients to make up the incense, and he would sprinkle the incense on top of the censer on the golden altar of incense, and the heat and the fire of those coals as it ignited the incense, a beautiful fragrance would ascend directly in front of the curtain to the most holy place. And so we're going to have a quick read of this in the scripture just so that we can gain some insight and understanding today of what that means for us. So we're reading from Exodus chapter 30 verse 1. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. By the way, acacia wood's virtually indestructible. And this speaks about when you position your life in front of the presence of God. No devil is going to destroy you because you're made of a lot more than destructible stuff. The Holy Spirit is coming into your world in a new way and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You can literally soak acacia wood in water and it will not rot. And so this was then overlaid with gold, speaking of the deity of God. A cubit shall be its length, a cubit its width, it shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be one piece with it. You shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two rings you shall make for it under the molding on both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they shall be holders for the poles with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and and overlay them with gold and you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps he shall burn incense on it and when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight he shall burn incense on it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations you shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering nor shall you pour drink offering on it and Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generation it is most holy to the Lord so we're going to focus in on a few things the first thing we need to understand is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the golden altar of incense Jesus is the high priest of our confession. So the book of Hebrews tells us that he is the great intercessor of heaven who right now is at the right hand of the Father forever interceding for you and I. So ne never underestimate the power. You might think nobody's praying for you, but I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ is praying for you. Hebrews 8 says this, 
Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary, and listen to this, and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. And so we see in another verse in, in the book of Hebrews that, the, that it specifically says that Moses' tabernacle was a copy of the realities of what was going on in heaven. And we're going to see this this morning as we look into the book of Revelation. In Hebrews 7, the chapter before, Therefore he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for him. You see, in Psalm 141, verse 2, David said this, what does this altar symbolize? This altar symbolizes the prayers and the intercession of God's people. This is what David said. Let my prayer be to you as incense. Let my prayer be to you as incense. And so this golden altar of incense is symbolic of the life of prayer of every believer. And it was to be a perpetual offering of incense. Every morning and every night, the incense would ascend out of the tabernacle. And, and Scripture tells us today that this incense is the prayer's of the saints. And not only that, it's also the worship of God's people because David went on to say, the lifting up of my hands is as the evening sacrifice. Remember, morning and evening. And David is saying, morning and evening, I'm praying and I'm worshiping the living God. And so the golden altar of incense, the fire of God, when this touches your life, you can't help but want to pray. You can't help but want to be a worshiper. You can't wait to get into the presence of God. You can't wait to find that time in your schedule where you can spend unbroken time with God because the fire of uh, the golden altar of incense is burning within your life and you're praying in the Spirit, praying at all times with all kinds of prayer. There's prayer ascending in your thoughts. There's prayer ascending in the whispers of your heart. There's prayer ascending in the loud intercession and warfare prayer that you offer before the Lord. You become, remember, this golden altar of incense had wooden staves so it could be mobile. You are a mobile, worshipping, warrior, prayer, uh, prayer warrior who is perpetually on fire for God, continuously praying. And you better believe it, when the devil finds a Christian who's praying, then he immediately, everything down in hell goes on red alert. The sirens go off. Man, we've got to stop that praying Christian. We've got to stop that person from seeking God. We've got to do everything that we can to stop that person in their prayer life. Have you ever wondered why it's so hard to pray sometimes? I want to tell you why, because that's the one thing out of anything in your life. If the devil can stop you praying, then he's, he's halfway there and winning the battle against your life. That is your lifeline. That is the place where incense is ascending out of your life to heaven. And we're going to find out exactly what takes place. I want you to notice three things about this altar of incense. The first thing is the position. The position of this is the closest article of furniture to the very presence of the Shekinah glory of God, the Holy of Holies. And this is what happens when you draw near to God in prayer and a life of intercession, when you're on fire for God, you never feel closer to the Lord than at that point in your life. You can be in your car. You can be going for a walk. You can be in a, in, the, in a room of busy people and suddenly you're experiencing the presence of God within your life because you're carrying the incense of God ascending out of your life. You're carrying these, this communication line with heaven. And wherever you are, He is there with you because the veil was torn, amen? We no longer have to go to a certain temple at a certain time and place, but now the presence of God is available to us to whoever wants to hone in and focus in and begin to offer up incense before the Lord. The second thing we need to notice about the, uh, the altar of incense is that fire was taken from the brazen altar, which symbolizes the sacrifice of Christ for your sins. And this is it, friends. Let me tell you, when you lose sight of the sacrifice of Jesus 
and your life, I want to tell you, it will kill your prayer life. Because this altar was fueled by the coals of the brazen altar. Your worship and prayer life is still fueled and the foundation of it is still fueled in the wonder and the awe of what Jesus accomplished on your behalf when he died for your sins. That brazen altar of sacrifice. And when you lose sight of the wonder and the awe and the thankfulness of what Jesus has accomplished for you, guess what? The incense stops flowing out of your life. You stop praying. You, stop, you start getting blocked from having prayer times. And before you know it, it's hit and miss. Before you know it, you're not meeting with God anymore. And you're going cold or you're going lukewarm. And this is the strategy of the devil. And so I want you to understand that all you need to do is to regenerate a spirit of thankfulness and awe and wonder at what Jesus did at the cross. Take some coals from that brazen altar of the greatest sacrifice the earth has ever seen and begin to fuel some gratitude and thankfulness within your life. And before long, you want to come back into the presence of God and continue to pray. Amen. Amen. And the third thing that we see here, uh, is that the effect of the fire. For that incense to ascend as a fragrance before heaven, it needed the fire of the coals. As the incense was sprinkled upon the coals, it then went up as, as an aroma before the Father. Friends, we need the fire. We need the fire for, for to live a life of a beautiful fragrance before God where we know our prayers are ascending, that they're beginning to impact the earth as we look into now what's actually going on when this is taking place in the life of any believer. So let's look into heaven right now as the book of Revelation records behind the scenes what is actually happening in heaven right now. Revelation 5 verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, speaking of worship, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There you have it in black and white. Which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. See, worship is just spilling out of them. Worship is pouring out of their lives as they are honoring and, and lifting up the magnificence of Jesus Christ. Saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, Jesus Christ, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. You see, friends, Jesus Christ, he is the great high priest. He is the one that's gone before us. He's the one that's continually praying on your behalf. But now in heaven, he is receiving the incense of people praying all around the world. Right now in New Zealand, we're one of the first nations of the world that come together on the Lord's Day where we get to worship him first. We get to beat everybody else in the world today to come into the house of God and begin to offer up worship and incense, our prayer ascending to heaven. And the Bible says that heaven is falling down in honour and worship. There's harps, there's music going on, there's worship taking place as these golden bowls of incense are being brought before the Lord. And I want to say this to you. You all have been given a new ministry as a believer. You may not understand it yet, but this is what it says. You have been made kings and priests, kings and priests. What's the function of a priest? The function of the priest is to represent the people before God. That's the function of the priest. This is the prayer ministry of every single believer. Some people say to me, I don't have the gift of intercession. Actually, I, I've never read in the scripture, I've never read anywhere about a gift of intercession. If you can show me 
The Bible says that the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray as we ought to pray. We don't know how to pray sometimes. The Holy Spirit, He's our helper when it comes to intercession. But there's no gift of intercession, friends. People who pray a lot, it's because they understand right now that they have been given a new ministry as a priest. They have now got free access to represent the globe, their loved ones, their family, their friends before God. And now their prayers can ascend as incense to the Father and be and the Lord's saying, ah, there we go. There's Isaac's prayer. I can smell the incense coming off his life today. There's Sue's prayer. I can smell that distinct incense, that fragrance coming off her life today. So what's happening, friends, when you're not praying? There's no incense ascending to heaven. There's nothing that God can take attention of or take notice of when you're in heaven and you're not praying. There's nothing to represent you in heaven. What's the difference between an outer court Christian and an inner court Christian? Simply this. They have not yet discovered the fire of the Holy Spirit working within their lives in the inner court. And they remain in the outer court, never able to partake of the wonders of the glory of the Holy Spirit's revelation and of the fire of intercession and prayer and worship within their lives. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was very, very blessed. Where I went to, I went and flatted with my mentor. There was just the two of us in the flat. And in the flat, and I, and I was gobsmacked. My first morning I, I, I woke up was at 3.30 a.m. And I heard this insane worship coming from the lounge. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh man, my, 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 my watch must be wrong must be wrong. It's 3.30 in the morning. Surely you can't be up this early praying. And, uh, and that man challenged me. He would get up 3.30, 4am every day, then go and work a 9 or a 10 hour physical job. And he would come and he would live for that morning time where he would make sure he was in bed and asleep by 9.30 every night because he couldn't wait to meet with Jesus at 3.30 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning. And I could hear his prayers ascending. I could smell the incense ascending out of our lounge. And so what happened, he, you know, he didn't mean to. He would get this big heavy blanket because he was saying, oh, you know, he's probably, that young fella's probably not used to getting up so early in the morning, you know. He's fresh out of the world, you know, full of drugs. He's probably still finding it hard to wake up in the morning and uh, you know instead of saying good morning you're saying good lord it's morning and 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 you see all that sort of stuff taking place in your life and you realize what's possible so you know what happened I started getting up at the same time as him and I spent 12 months of praying at 3 30 a.m 4 a.m in the morning and it dramatically changed my life it caused a hunger and a thirst and we would see visions we would see incredible visions as we were praying together we actually got a satanic coven that actually ordered a um, ordered a hit out against us in the spiritual realm I can't go into the story but I will tell you about that story at one point in time where literally the devil and thousands of demons turned up on our property to try and scare the living daylights out of us but they were defeated by the power of God, because that place was a place full of the incense of God. There were bowls of incense that came out of that house as we learned how to pray together. So let's look again at what's going on in heaven. A few chapters later, Revelation 8, verse 3, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Wow. And so here you've got the situation where an angel is coming. And he was given much incense. And he was to combine the incense that he had with the prayers of the saints and offer it before the throne. And it said that the incense he was carrying in, his, in the censer and the prayers of the saints mixed together would then go directly to the throne of God. You see, when you pray, this is what's going on. 
You are literally sparking angelic activity in the heavenly realm where angels are on assignment to collect your prayers and they are being released to the Father in heaven and ascended to the Father. But I want you to take notice of the next verse because it tells us that heaven's activity is lit on fire by your prayer life. By the incense that you're offering is causing activity on earth to take place. Wow, really? Look at the verse 5. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Your incense, your prayer life, as you're on fire for God, offering that incense to heaven, it's ascending to heaven. I want to tell you, it's sparking incredible activity on planet earth involving, involving angelic beings. You can read all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Angels that have been put on assignment because of a prayer warrior here on earth. The Bible says that Daniel set his heart to pray and seek the face of God when he was a captive in Babylon. Uh, he was carried away in captivity to Babylon. And as the, as the psalm says, and he was a captive in Babylon, but God began to speak to him about the times of God restoring and bringing Israel out of captivity back to Jerusalem. And so he set his face to pray. And the Bible says he prayed morning, noon, and night, three times a day. Now I want to tell you, this guy's an intellectual. This guy's the equivalent of a great professor. He's the equivalent of someone who's got a Rhodes Scholarship in the earth that we live in today. He was a super, super bright guy. Incredible wisdom on his life. He was second in charge in a foreign nation because of the gifts that were upon his life. But I want to tell you, he didn't ride on his intellect. He rode on the power of his prayer life. Morning, noon, and night. He rode on the power of his prayer life. And so he sets himself up to do a fast. For three weeks, he hears nothing. He sees no activity, but he still sets his face to pray every single day. And guess what happens? On day 21, the angel Gabriel turns up and rocks up on his doorstep. He falls down, scaring the living daylights out of him. As this being, supernatural being, has come directly from heaven. And this is what he says to him. Daniel, your prayers were heard the first day of this 21-day fast. The first day you prayed, your prayers ascended to heaven and were received and noticed and documented in heaven. And I was sent from heaven back to earth to bring instructions to you about what you are to do. But I encountered some opposition along the way by virtue of a person called the Prince of Persia, which was a demonic power that had been set over the kingdom of Persia. And as angel Gabriel responded to that, he got stuck in a battle and he needed extra help from the angel. The archangel Michael came to help him and assist him so that God's answer could get through. You see, friends, you need to understand. The Bible talks about the first, second, and third heavens. And in the second heavens, there is the place between heaven and earth where there is a spiritual battle that's raging right now. But I want to tell you that the day you set that incense up to God, the day you set your heart to pray, the day you set your heart to seek God properly, not just flipping up these little arrow prayers every now and again, but never bothering to take time in the presence of God to come to the golden altar of incense and seek the face of God. And when Daniel did this, God answered and he came through. And listen, his prayers changed the future of a nation. What would happen if the church of Jesus Christ got a hold of this principle and we began to fill the bowls of heaven with the incense of our prayer and our worship. Can you imagine what can happen in the nation of New Zealand? I've always felt in my heart, I've been a pastor for this last 31 years, I've always felt that New Zealand is going to be a test case for the Lord. 
that we're a nation of five million people, that when five million people get on fire for God, a nation can be dramatically, dramatically turned upside down and inside out, where people will be stopping going to the pub. They'll be stopping going to these places of entertainment, and they'll be filling up churches because they've been dramatically changed by the power of God. Wow. See, friends, I want to say this to you, and this is as an, as an encouragement to you. When you discover the holy place and the fire of His presence, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and what it means to stay very, very close to the Shekinah glory of God at that golden altar of incense, when you discover that, you begin to no longer want to hang out in the outer court. You no longer want to hang out where where, where you're looking from the outside in, wondering what happens in that place. And I believe the key to this is discipleship. Discipleship is the key from bringing people from being out-of-court Christians to inner-court Christians. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Teach them how to pray. In this manner, pray, our Father who is in heaven. Teach them how to approach the presence of God. Teach them how. I've been working, many of you don't know, but I've been working on a discipleship training course which will be ready next year for anyone and everyone in this church, a video curriculum and also a discipleship-based curriculum for you so that you can learn how to do these things properly and become a disciple who understands the place of the fire of God in the Holy Spirit in the holy place. Whew. <laughs> Praise God. You know, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read this story of Zechariah, but uh, maybe if we, can, um, if we can move through to uh, verse... Um, let's go to verse 8 of Luke chapter 1. Now, here's the simple story. I want to take you to the New Testament today to show you how powerful this is. John the Baptist had a mum and dad, Elizabeth and his dad, Zechariah. They were old in years. They'd never been able to have kids. They were barren. And they, they were people who lived their lives for God. They were sold out for God. And the Bible says this, in this story, it's incredible, and I will read this verse just for your sake so you can see it. It says this, verse 8, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, Luke chapter 1, verse 9, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I want you to imagine, here I am. The pulpit is the golden altar of incense. I'm doing my, it's my job. I'm on the roster to burn the incense on the golden altar of incense. And I'm there, and as I'm burning the incense, being faithful to God, being faithful in my prayer life, being faithful seeking and interceding on behalf of the people, as I'm sprinkling the incense on the golden altar, suddenly to my right, there's an angel standing there. Whoa! The supernatural beings come directly from heaven. When did it happen? As I'm in my position before the golden altar of incense, faithfully seeking the face of my Father, praying on behalf of the people. You see, friends, what we've got to understand is this. This golden altar of incense, it's the place of encountering the Holy Spirit. It's the place of fresh encounter with God. And I say it's tremendous. I've, I've been in a number of revivals, genuine revivals. I've experienced the touch of the Holy Spirit in those revivals. And yes, I want to say this. Many, many people in revival, they get disappointed because they can think, tag, Sue's got it now. Laid my hands upon her. She's carrying revival. But you know what I've discovered about revival is that you've got to go and dig your own well. A touch from God will only remain a touch. 
but a lifetime of service and presence and pursuing the Lord will come from you digging your own well at the throne of God and seeking the face of the Father, turning up at your golden altar of incense and allowing the prayers of the Holy Spirit to ascend out of your life. Friends, I believe it's time to go deeper. So in just a few months, less than a few months, in February 2020, we're going to do a three-week Daniel fast. And we're going to seek the face of God. The great thing about a Daniel fast is that you don't have to fast completely from all food. All right? But you will have to abstain from meat for a few weeks. And all the non-meat eaters said... And, uh, and we won't be touching delicacies for three weeks, 21 days as a church. We're going to seek the face of God. Do you know why? Because the principalities that we're facing are not going to beat just by us getting together and clapping our hands. And that's no disrespect to you or to me or to the Lord. But it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to pursue God for the powerful spiritual revelations. And I believe this is a season of God doing new things in your life. I believe this is a season where you're going to grab a hold of the horns of that golden altar and you're going to say, I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until I feel the power of your presence saturating every part of my life. Until I begin to see my loved ones who are backslidden coming back to Christ, the prodigal sons and daughters returning to the Lord. I believe in the last days many prodigals are going to come back to God in a huge stampede. People are going to come back to the Lord because they're going to see the day that they're living in. You know, most backslidden Christians I talk to, including my boys, as I talk to them straight up about the realities of the Scripture in the end times, they all know and they all understand, backsliders all understand that there's a, there's a time clock that's ticking away. And Israel is at the center of that time clock. And when certain events happen in the nation of Israel, you better get ready, world, because this world is going to be turned upside down, inside out on its head. And you're going to see the last day's prophecies of Jesus Christ coming to pass. Now, you don't want to have to get ready when that suddenly comes upon the earth, because the Bible says it will come as a thief in the night. You need to be ready beforehand. You need to be like the five, full, uh, five wise virgins that were prophesied about this morning. They were ready. They were alert. They were waiting for God. They were in that position where their lamps were full, their wicks were trimmed. They were ready and waiting. So I want to encourage you deeply today to catch a new fire of intercession and worship. Daniel prayed morning, noon, and night. Did you know that King David did the same? Look at Psalm 55, verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 18, pray at all times with all kinds of prayer and supplication. Pray at all times, not at some times. At all times. How can I pray all the time? I've got a job that I need to do. Friends, you can learn the art. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, you get the additional blessing of being a vessel where you can pray with power wherever you are. You can pray with the gift of tongues. The Bible says we don't always know what to pray with our intellect and with our language, our first language. But the Holy Spirit, He knows. And He begins to pray through you. And, and as He prays through you, you become used as a vessel to carry answers from heaven. I want to finish with Jesus Christ. Many of you know these wonderful words, Matthew 7, 7. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. I want to tell you that Jesus modeled this in his life. Everywhere Christ went, he prayed. He got up a long while before everybody else was awake. He went up to the mountainside where he could be totally undistracted. He found places of privacy where he could seek the Lord for himself. Now, mum, sometimes I know you've got a little baby, you've got a little one on your hands, and that's a, that's a handful, literally. You want to grab every spare moment that you've got. You want to learn how to pray in the Spirit as you're changing those nappies. You want to learn how to be mob a mobile prayer warrior. You can do this thing. God has equipped you and is able for you to begin to do this thing. Now, I, I simply want to point this out here. 
This is what we, this is what we call in Scripture increasing aggression in prayer. We start from the least aggressive to the most aggressive. Ask is a request. If I'm asking you for something, it's a simple request. You can answer me uh, and you can answer my request. But it goes from being more aggressive from asking to seeking. When you seek, you actually have to do more than ask. When you seek, you ask, plus you get active in finding answers. Otherwise, you're not really classified as a seeker. A seeker will actually go out and look for the answers. To the most aggressive, when you are closed out of a room that you need to gain access to, you then adopt the most militant attitude. You're asking, you're seeking, but you're knocking and you're not going away until the door is opened. And so I want to say to you, we need to adopt an increasing aggressive attitude in the place of prayer. And the fire of God will do this in your life. The fire of God will cause you not to be just, oh, I'll ask once and I didn't ask in faith, so I'll just give up. No, 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 no. Move away from the mamby-pamby stuff and get into some, get into some aggressive ask, seek and knock and push Pray until something happens. Begin to get into that militant, aggressive stance. Don't give up. Daniel prayed 21 days straight, fasting and praying. The answer was already on its way after day one. But we've got to understand there's opposition. There's our enemies out there. And we need to understand that even right now, enemies are holding some of our children captive in this room. And you're not going to be able to free them just through being a persuasive personality. You're going to need more than persuasive words. You're going to need the power of God, angelic activity coming around your life in order to set them free from those demonic powers that are driving their life and their decisions. The answer is at the golden altar of incense where I'm asking, I'm seeking, and I'm knocking, and I'm pursuing, and I'm going to huff, and I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow your house down. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wrong story, I think. (laughs) Let's stand to our feet, church. When's the last time you had a truthful, honest, real, in-depth conversation with God. I've been around long enough to know that probably 50% of our audience today, 50% of our audience today are struggling to even make it into the inner court. You've got trapped with the busyness of your life and you're looking from afar And you're watching and observing other people, but you're not entering in yourself. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to invite the fire of God into your life to break spiritual strongholds. It's time to let a fresh wave of incense ascend from your golden altar of incense. Your leader... Jesus Christ has shown you the way. He models the way. He's praying every day, day and night, 24-7. He's interceding on behalf of those that he loves. He's praying for you. He's showing you the way. You can do it too. He gives you an open invitation to come today. To make a decision to renew your prayer life. To make a decision to invite the fire of God to stoke up some fresh coals of gratitude from the altar of sacrifice of what Jesus has done for you, to say, Lord, I've just, I've just been so focused on my own problems. I've been so focused on, on just all the ups and downs of life that I've just lost sight of you and I've gone cold. And the scripture warns us that the love of many will grow cold in these last days. So if I can just ask for a moment of privacy this morning. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And maybe today the Holy Spirit's been challenging you as I've been used as the, as the tool in the Father's hand today to stoke up some fresh embers.
where God once again wants to sprinkle some incense over your life and see a new fragrance emerge, to see new prayers being birthed, to see a new desire to want to spend time in the presence of God, to be a recipient of fresh revelation. David said, Lord, give me fresh oil, not the oil that I got three years ago when I had that encounter with you, but Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where something new is to happen within your life. If you want that this morning, if you want God to start something new, where you can go home after this this day on this service and mark it on your calendar and say, this was the day that I invited the fire of intercession and worship to come into my life in a new way. If that's you, would you quickly slip your hand up? Wherever you are, wherever you are, take a moment. God bless you. Maybe extend both your hands to the Lord, all of you, and just in a moment of surrender. Would you pray with me, church? Dear Father, I acknowledge my shortcomings, my lack of desire, to pursue you. Forgive me for being distracted, for taking my eyes off the price. I want to look afresh to the author and finisher of my faith, Jesus Christ, my high priest, who for forever lives and intercedes for me. Jesus, fill my life with fresh fire from heaven. Stoke up the embers on the golden altar of incense. May my prayers be to you as incense. May I lift my hands in the evening sacrifice and worship and wonder of who you are. Forgive me, Lord, for ignoring you. I ask for deliverance by the power of the Holy Spirit to set me free from a spirit of prayerlessness. I break His power over my life and I release a new anointing of the Holy Spirit to come with fire, to baptize me with fire. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. As Lord, as we stand in your presence right now, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, hover over each one of us. We wait upon the Lord. Renew our strength.